What's up, everybody? Welcome back, friends and foe from all over the globe. To my man, Ash. Ash is out there in the UK. We made it, little brother. A milestone. Episode 20 of the East West Grind podcast. Fuck yeah. To all the haters that listen to our East West Grind, just to talk shit and send dumb emails and messages to steal our shit. What's up, you guys? Thanks to Anyways, KQED. But I'm going after that multi-million dollar contract. Shout out to Shelly out there in New York. Shelly's the co-founder of The Grind and has been a great friend and resource for us in our entire journey to the next level in entertainment, politics, and activism. Mahalo, my dear friend. All right, guys. What do we got today? We got some housekeeping. And we got that interview with the legend in Bay Area music history, the George Lady. He's on deck for today's legendary 20th episode of The Grind. Let's fucking go. What's up, what's up? How's everybody doing? We're good here in the Bay Area. I'm about to get my my second dose of the Pfizer on Thursday. I hope wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, you're in line to get her done somewhere. I hope so, man. Let's get things going. But things are definitely uh, moving rapidly here in California. It's good. Everybody looks happier. You see other people and And, you know, people you haven't seen in a while and your mood shifts to like, oh, my God. Hey, oh, what's up? You made it. Oh, my God. What's going on? That kind of thing. And that simple interaction changes one's day. I know. I've experienced it. I've seen it. It's fucking fantastic. And like I said in the intro, we've got George Lady in the hopper for this very special 20th episode of the East West Grind. Uh, But we'll get into that in a bit. But we'll do some quick housekeeping real quick. I've got uh, Eric Trump 
on Maria Bartiroma. Is that how you say her name? Bartiroma. This past Sunday, crying about how Biden was going to his house in Delaware on the weekends. Hold on a second. Right now is Eric Trump, the executive vice president of the Trump Organization. Eric, great to see you today. Thanks very much for being here. It's worth noting that Biden spent this weekend in Delaware, his fifth trip home since becoming president. That's his sixth weekend away from the White House. We're not even 100 days in. Your reaction to this new administration, Eric? I don't even know where to begin. First of all, Maria, you know, it's heartbreaking to us. I saw how much time and effort my father put into the job. I mean, Biden saying, you know, well, I'm not going to go down there because I don't want to inconvenience the Secret Service. And then you look at Kamala Harris, who's standing in front of literally Air Force Two in that last picture where you've got the greatest ecosystem. You know how many times my father went down to the border? Because it's a serious issue that, you know, plagues this this country. I mean, you, you see it and you see these children. And my father had the issue fixed, Maria. And then you see them. We're going to immediately stop the border wall construction. They literally leave. I mean, you've seen the pictures as well as everybody else, but they'll leave a 30-yard gap. The steel is literally laying on the ground. They'll leave a 30-yard gap where people are pouring in. You know, I, I mean, I just don't understand it. My father had fixed this problem. Illegal immigration was not a problem anymore. This fucking family boy, I tell you, they have no conscience and lack memory, I think intentionally, of the past five years. How many fucking times, Eric Trump, did your father golf? How much of the taxpayers' dollars did your father spend traveling to Mar-a-Lago for room and board and golf and everything else that goes into staying at a gaudy fucking resort like that? For him, his entire security detail, the press, and if he's so rich, your dad, why didn't he just comp all those trips? Joe's just going to his house to sit in his own Barca lounger and his own yard. And you guys are heartbroken and having kittens get the fuck out of here. And we both know, Eric, that your father didn't do shit at the border. But separate thousands of kids from their parents, where thousands of those kids claim they were sexually assaulted. You guys didn't do shit down there but cause trauma. Because that's the life your father provided for you guys when you were children. Trauma, beating up your wife, shit like that. Am I right? It's in the history books already. It's in the articles from back then, 80s. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, you guys got some fucking shit going on. The whole fucking lot of you guys. You need to stay the fuck out of politics, man. Other people's lives are affected. But then Eric Trump goes on to cry... Yes, he went on to cry about how the Democrats tried to impeach his father twice. And how everybody just picks on him. Just pick on Donald Trump. Eric, motherfucker, your father was impeached twice. Four times in our country's history, a U.S. president has been impeached. Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton... Donald Trump and Donald Trump. Google is your friend, Eric, not your enemy. Use it wisely. He's kind of, he's kind, he's an ass. <laughs> and he's dumb. He's a dumbass. 
Are you dumbass? You're a dumbass. 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 <sighs> All right. Let's jump into that very first interview here at The Grind with uh, Mr. George Lady. Ladies and gentlemen of the grind and all over the world, the Bay Area produced some of the most legendary rock and metal bands in American history, going back to the 70s and 80s. And smack dab in the middle of that tornado, tornado, as it was getting started, was the East West Grind's very first guest, Bay Area heavy metal legend, Mr. George Lady. How you doing, Mr. Lady? Welcome to the show. Doing fine. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Let's get started uh, with just tell me a little bit about you and how you got started in in the music industry. Well, it's kind of simple. You know, I mean, I was a young guy and I had a paper route. And on that paper route, I brought an AM radio. Right on. The AM radio had two stations on and they played like tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. I remember that. Yeah. It's a family affair and American Pie. Right I, on. But those were the songs. That was 70 something. Mm-hmm. Um, 73, 74. Right on. Anyhow, so I started to like music, but I didn't know what hard rock was, right? I didn't even, I didn't know who Led Zeppelin really was. Mm-hmm. My sister's a couple of years older than me, and she started bringing albums home. What'd she bring home? She brings home Led Zeppelin. Right. She brings home, believe it or not, Johnny Winter. Mm. I think one of her boyfriends turned her on to that, which is a pretty killer album. Right on. Journey. Oh, you right? can't go bad with Journey. Right. And then and Ted Nugent. Ted mm. Nugent's uh, first album after the Amboy Dukes. Okay. Which has uh, all the classics on it. I mean, you know, Stranglehold, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that... And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So at the same time, friends I hang out with, we would go play in the creek. We just, we were explorers. We did stuff. We built model boats and stuff, put engines on them, and we're having a good time. Yeah. And then one day, the one friend brings this, shows me this album, puts it in my face. He goes, look at this. Huh. I go, what's that? And it was UFO. Okay. UFO, their, uh, their second album with Michael Schenker, mm-hmm. who's if anybody even cares about music knows about him. Right. So I was like, wow, okay, let's listen to it. It was kick ass. And then I got into Pink Floyd because it's Pink Floyd. Yeah. And my first album I ever bought was not Dark Side of the Moon. It was Wish You Were Here, which is there's to me there's four albums. Uh-huh. Yeah, you had the class, the older ones. Mm. But to me you have Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and Animals. And then, of course, The Wall. Oh, yeah, The Wall. Right. You got to know The Wall. Right. You probably don't know the other ones. Yeah, yeah, but The Wall is definitely familiar. But I'd lay in bed listening to these things with headphones on, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I had motorcycles and stuff, and I'd like, okay, I'm riding my bike. I want to go listen to some music. And I'd go home all by myself, listen to these freaking albums. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I kind of wrote a little songy thingy, wrote lyrics to a song. I didn't know how to play an instrument yet. Wow. So you're self-taught. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely self-taught. Excellent. So my sister says, you know, that's kind of a cool little song you wrote. And it was, I was just trying to mimic the weirdness of Pink Floyd when I wrote this song. But mm-hmm. I guess it, I guess it had some sort of, uh, I don't know, something to it. My sister said, yeah, maybe you should try, you know, play an instrument. There's a guitar in the closet over there. Mm-hmm. My stepmom had a, uh, a Yamaha acoustic. I said, yeah, sure. Why not? So I get that. I grabbed my stepmom's little music books. The only reason she had that is because my dad got it for her because she was on one of her, I got to have something for myself things. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, you know, he, he, he owned a sports car for an auto repair business. And then he got into the bar business. Mm-hmm. So that's why that guitar was there. It was a really good guitar. And I grabbed a book. And the first song I ever learned was Jingle Bells. Okay. Single note songs. And I read it. I read the music. The little book taught you how to read the music. So I read the music. And I'm going ding, 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 ding. Right? Well, this is pretty cool. But now, you know, I'm really into these rock bands and stuff. How can I start doing that instead of Jingle the motherfuck bells. <laughs> so I had a friend who was also interested in music and his brother, his older brother was really good at guitar. He loaned us some guitars and we started just playing and jamming in my garage and stuff. And that so was, was my first electric guitar experience. So it was easy for you to pick up. I don't know. I guess, you know, people say it was, you know, well, you're a prodigy. I don't think so. I think, especially nowadays, there's, a billion guitar players for every square block, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all doing more amazing things than some of your favorite musicians. These kids are sitting in a bedroom. They'll put up a YouTube video and you're like, okay, I never knew how, nor am I about to learn how to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the thing. So, yeah. So I carried on and we played music. I met a guy. Don't remember how I met him. He played drums. I said, why don't we jam together? Cool. And I, and I bought a, uh, a solid body electric guitar. It wasn't a Fender. It wasn't a Gibson. It was an Eka. But it was a cool little guitar. I bought it from a guy. I had a little amplifier with it. And me and this drummer guy, he went to Castro Valley High. I went to Hayward High. Okay. I don't remember how we met, but we met. And we started so we would like jam at my friend's house whose mom was gone all day at work. Mm-hmm. Totally empty room. He put a drum set in there. I had my little guitar thingy there. And my friend actually had a little Fender amp so I could get a little louder than I used to. Right. And so we practiced. Next thing you know, people say, hey, man, there's a kegger. What do you mean there's a kegger? Well, guys, come up and jam. Damn, I haven't been to a kegger uh, since I was like 17 or 18. Well, yeah, no, I mean. Those were fun, were man. But they don't have them anymore. That's that's kind of crazy. Keggers? Well, yeah. It was a different time. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. A hundred kids in a house. Yeah. Even if it was a polite hundred kids, they're gonna break something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the idiot who invited his friends over because his parents were in Europe that weekend. Uh-huh. Oh boy, what did he have to answer for? I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, so we started playing Keggers. 
Right on. We just invented our own songs. We kind of semi-copied other songs. And everybody call up. My nickname's Tiger. I was named that when I was a baby, by the way. Cool. It's not a gimmick name. Sure. It's, it's an actual nickname uh, with the family. Tiger, I said, there's a Kager. You guys coming? Well, I don't know. Where is it? Oh, it's up on Green Ridge in Castro Valley. Oh, mm-hmm. it's over by the college in Hayward. Right. Yeah. Now, our biggest problem was, how do we get our stuff up there? We yeah. had to bum rides, right? We were too young to drive. Oh, wow. That young. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've been talking, doing this for a while. Yeah, we're talking 14, 15 years old. That's when it starts, though, right? Kind of that's when the bug gets yeah. people usually, maybe earlier. Exactly. Awesome. So, so we did that and uh, met a bunch of people a- along the way. So that started your whole like bond, your whole like inner fire of music, right? Going yeah. back to your sister. Yeah, and, you know, and, it, and it was it was fun because now that we were doing it, you'd see other people doing it. Cool. And we had there was people at our schools and stuff that they, you know, they thought they were badass rock musicians sure. and stuff. And uh, they would pick on us. I'll tell you why they would pick on us, because we never and to this day. But the people that I played music with, hung around with, yeah. never talk shit about anybody else. Ah, in you know, other bands or just other people or what? Guitar players, drummers, bass players. You, you never say, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, you have yeah, respect for each other. Well, I did. Yeah. And the people I hung around did. Yeah. But you had these people that would come at you like, you suck. Yeah. Okay, the reason you're saying I'm sucking is because you're jealous. Not because <laughs> I'm but because I'm they calling me and they ain't calling you. Right, right. More often right. than not, that's the right that's the right answer. Yeah. Listen, listen, let's fast forward and we'll get into I'm I'm curious because in my notes I have you you were with Eddie Money and not with him, I saw him. And YNT and Journey all before they got big, like they were playing at Vets Halls. Yeah, that's that that's a very interesting thing. Because these guys people, these guys all became superstars. Globally. These are global yes, stars. Yes. So so starting with with Eddie Money, so the, the guys I hung around with, you know, playing in the creek, we were kind of young. Yeah. If there was something like that going on and we got wind of it, we're gone. Yeah. I think you, you paid like a buck fifty at wow, Hayward Betts Hall. Wow. Yeah. To to watch this guy and his name wasn't Eddie Money. It was Ed Money. Oh. No okay. Eddie. Ed. And it, it was kind of weird because you know, we're smoking joints and stuff, but yeah. I watched this guy. He taped dollar bills all over himself. What was the purpose? Money. Oh, oh, duh, Eddie Last Money. Oh, Money. Yeah. Got it. That's the way I took it. That's cool. Little, it makes sense. Yeah, he had a little keyboard on his stand and a cowbell attached to it, like bolted to the keyboard. Yeah. And and you know, Ed Money was he was high when he's playing. Yeah. And these songs would go on forever and he's hitting this cowbell. Bong, bong, <laughs> bong. And he's playing the keyboards and I'm like, okay, this is like 60s stuff, but it's 70s, right? Right, right, right. Like, okay, whatever. And the same venue, Journey played. We saw them when they were just kids, basically. Oh, man. But, and Y&T. So Y&T wasn't Y&T. They were yesterday and today. Y&T makes sense. Yesterday and today, yeah. Y&T. Yeah, A&M Records make, made them change the name. Oh, okay. So they actually, one of 
the people that I was with had a hookup with them guys. And in Hayward, they had a practice studio. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we can borrow their practice studio. We had some big, important thing we were practicing for. Don't remember exactly why. Gotcha. Probably was a big thing at the Keystone because they let us borrow their wireless system, which means you can plug your guitar in to a radio and you don't need a cable to mm-hmm. go to an amplifier, right? Gotcha. Wireless. YNT loaned us that system, loaned us their studio. That studio is a... Uh, you don't want to sit on a couch. <laughs> they must have been young, huh? Just oh, starting man. out. Oh, yeah. And But here's the cool thing about this. And yeah. nobody, I don't know if anybody's ever going to remember this who was there ever in that studio. On the one of the walls above a couch was the name Yesterday and Today in black spray paint. Yeah. And they had crossed it out and put Y and T. So that was the moment that they got their contract with AM Records. Wow. We're no longer yesterday and today. We are YNT. And I think they hated the idea of being called YNT. Really? Because there was just that vibe about, you know, why are you make us change our name? But that's yeah. how record companies do things to bands that bands don't want done to them. Yeah. And that's one of the things. Change your name. Change mm-hmm. your guitar player. Change your singer. Rewrite this song. I got to have this. I got to have that. Producers, right? Because they know better than the rock band. That sounds harsh. Yes. It, it, yeah. Tough business. I, so, tell it, me about uh, John Pirelli. John Pirelli. Yeah. Pirelli. Yeah. So so went to school with him. He was a year ahead of me. And he was a really, 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 really good guitar player. Growing up with him, he had really good rock bands. Mm-hmm. One of his bands was Magnum. One was, uh, what was the other one? Oh, Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And his drummer was Dennis Schaefer, who ended up being our drummer. He's in the videos and stuff. So everybody respected John because he was so freaking good. Mm. And he had another band called Adrenaline, and he played with Pat Travers over in Alameda. And Pat I went Travers, I've heard of that. I've heard that name. He's he's a global like yeah. uh, hard hard rock blues electric blues hard rock guy. Wow. Uh yeah. So yeah, went to see him there. But anyway, kind of grew up with John. Mm-hmm. And I've jammed with John. We were constantly trying to figure out how he and I are gonna do a project together. It just never just never came out. Mm-hmm. But he died of a uh some kind of a stroke. Man, how old were you guys? I, a few, but this was just a few years ago. So, oh, okay. so, but he was like kind of, uh, he was good friends with Joey Alves from YNT. Mm-hmm. The question about John Perilla is how come he never went global? I think the answer is he started to get too intimate with himself and the drugs. Oh, because he was that good. Oh, wow. He was so, so there's no explanation, right? Other than that. And he was, you know, from what I was told, he, he started to be into the drug thing. Yeah. And that's, that'll do it every time, huh? Yeah. So we did a, a little benefit concert thingy, a live thing at the Florence in Niles. Mm-hmm. Oh, in nice. Niles, Niles, California, man. That's old school. Yeah. So we, we did a thing there in, in his name, brought back some people he knew and, um, 
brought the trauma band part of us back together to do that. That was pretty fun. But I thought he needs a mention because Bay Area wise. Yes, sir. Gotcha. He's one of the best. Before I get into uh, the Cliff Burton, uh, are there any bar fights that when you were playing that you could tell me about? Bar fight? Yeah. Anything happened while you guys were playing? Any crazy? There was uh, chick fights. <laughs> Over the band, probably, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, but never like there wasn't like brawling because we didn't play like with the trauma band. We didn't play bars. We played uh, little higher end venues like Stone and and all that. Tell me about Metal Mondays on KRQR. So KRQR was. I remember that. I remember that. 97.7. Yeah. Yeah. They were like uh, that. They were a rock station, so um, they did a thing called Metal Mondays. They had it at the old Waldorf. Bill Graham owned that mm-hmm. that uh, play. Bill Graham is a famous concert promoter. Of course, everybody knows that. Bill Died Graham, in a helicopter crash. Bill Graham presents. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we played there. That was weird because their uh, their speakers, their monitor system for the band was more pointed toward the audience than it was the band, so you couldn't really hear yourself. Gotcha. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were really proud to have that. And they made T-shirts and our names on there and stuff. I thought I still had that shirt. I can't find it anymore. Very cool. It was kind of a big deal at the time. It still is. Listen, let's go back to the beginning of Trauma with Cliff Burton. Tell me and the listeners that whole dynamic and how it started with you and him. And just give me, like, tell me that story because a lot of people... Of course, in the Bay, everybody knows who Cliff Burton is. But tell us how that relationship started and, you know, how you guys meshed together. Well, that first guy I played with did the kegger parties. He knew Cliff. Mm -hmm. And eventually we're going around, we're jamming and stuff. And I said, you know, a bass player would be nice. Hello. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, well, my friend Cliff plays bass. Oh, who's your friend Cliff? Well, he goes to Castle Valley High. Well, let's just talk to him. Let's yeah. jam. So Cliff would do a couple of parties with us. Nice. Remember the caper parties? They were important because people all over the East Bay, well, first thing you did when you on a Friday afternoon, when you got out of your high school, you called everybody, where's the parties? Yeah. That was what you did. You didn't do anything else. Those where's were good times, party? man. I went to they some of those parties time. in the eight, yeah, in the eighties. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah, I mean, I was saying, where's the parties? <laughs> we didn't play at every single one, so I want to know where the party was. Right, right. You, know, you meet people, you meet girls. I met a lot of a lot of nice people just by going to those things, which right. we don't go, we don't do that anymore. Uh, so anyway, so so we jammed with Cliff a little bit, and um, there was. An incident, not an incident, but a, a thing at a barn down Cole Canyon Road. Mm-hmm. It was called Judd's Barn. Judd was a guitar player. I jammed right. with him before, actually with Cliff. Mm-hmm. So we go to uh, do this. It was inside this huge barn and, and just bands jamming, people drinking, smoking their weed and everything. It was just a really fun time. And this guy, Mike Overton, shows up. I never met him before. And in his van, he's got... A Marshall stack. Do you know what that is? That's an amplifier. It's a typical hard rock amplifier for guitars, Mm -hmm. right? It's got that the amplifier head, 
to uh, speaker bottoms. You see, when you go to a concert, you see Marshall, right? Yeah. You know the name, right? Yes. And he's all, hey, what are you guys doing? I don't even know how Mike knew to go there. I said, well, we're just jamming, you know. And I look in his vein, I go, the fuck is all that? <laughs> oh, well, I just came from practice with my band called The Propellers. Yeah. The Propellers? Okay. Do you mind if I jam? No, oh, man, bring it on. Let's do it. That's awesome. So we had this, we had this little jam, and uh, me and Mike became really good friends, and we started the trauma band. And, oh. of course, it came to be that, you know, once we started working on some songs together and stuff, now we were actually going to play live at a pretty big party, not a regular kegger party, but kind of like a big party. Gotcha. You know, outdoors with you know, whatever, bars yeah. and everything. Who are we going to get to play bass? Well, we haven't practiced, but how about that cliff guy? <laughs> <laughs> so we get a hold of Cliff, and uh, maybe Jim Jimmy was the drummer. Anyway, so Cliff goes with us to that, and then, uh, then he Cliff fades out. Me and Mike start this band with a different drummer, audition singers we show up at this after hours club and there's this this english dude and donnie the singer hey you guys want to jam we don't have our instruments well there's instruments here it's an after hours club right yeah but we play and this guy we never met donnie he's from new york we jam this and that english dude turns out to be donnie's manager Mm -hmm. he ended up managing trauma a lot wow. of problems, a lot of problems with that, by the way. Right. And uh, so just trauma went on and we did a bunch of stuff. We did this. Where did Cliff go? Cliff came back. Oh, he did. we needed we needed Cliff. Yeah. So, hey, Cliff, we, now we're starting to get legit. Got a manager. Yeah. He's, he's got gigs. We can do like real gigs. So Cliff said, OK, now he was in the band. So trauma was me, Mike, Cliff. We had um, fucking a. That's awesome. We had a couple of different drummers, uh, and Donnie was the singer. So mm-hmm. you know, we wrote songs. How'd you end I mean, up separating and Cliff going off? How did Cliff end up with Metallica? Sim- that's very simple. So we're in LA a couple of times, right? So mm-hmm. we're we're down there recording. We're down there doing a video with trauma. With trauma. Cool. And we're down there to do the whiskey. Right. We had plans to do the whiskey. So mm-hmm. we're all down there. Cliff's with us. Yeah. We're playing the whiskey a go-go. We headlined with some, a couple other bands. We invited two other bands to go with us down there. Mm-hmm. We were very nice people. Mm-hmm. One band was very nice. They were from Livermore. Really nice guys. Really good players. The other band from Walnut Creek or Concord, they had a, a female singer Every single one of those people were dicks. And I have no freaking idea why they, oh, but they drove our, you know, they went on our tails, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. They, they hated life. They were just assholes. Man. So anyway, so down there and then people started to notice Cliff, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a badass. Yeah. And Brian Schlegel from Metal Blade Records, I guess he's there. He calls uh, Lars and James from Metallica, says, you got to see this dude. Wow. 
So they came to one of our recording sessions. It was a video recording se- session. We had invited a bunch of people to cater a beer and catered it and everything, and they showed up. And that's when they started talking to Cliff. Hey, you know, we, uh, we got a thing going on. We play a different kind of music than you guys. Yeah. And we would like you to join us. Yeah. They had these conversations back and forth. And I even asked Cliff, we were rehearsing one night at the body shop I worked at. Mm-hmm. And I said, come on, Cliff, are you, you going to join these dudes or what? Uh-huh. He goes, no, trauma is my band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Next thing you know. So he told, he tells Lars and Dames, I'll join your band if you guys move up here to the East Bay. And they said, okay, we will. And that's exactly what they did. They moved. So that's up how here. Metallica was formed? Exactly. Wow. And then they got rid of Dave. So they were touring. They were kind of touring. They were doing a little recording thing with Cliff. Dave Mustaine from Megadeth was their lead guitar player. Mm-hmm. And Cliff told me this story because we were still friends after that. Of course. You're that guy. And, I can tell. Yeah. And and uh, I say, hey, hey, Cliff, why did you guys have that thing go with firing Dave Mustaine? And the story he tells me is the exact same story that you'll hear from all those guys on VH1 and behind the music and all that. And yeah, all that. yeah. Exact same story. So nobody's lying. That's cool. You were right. there, right? You wouldn't or you heard it from the horse's mouth, rather. I, Cliff told me we're, we were just standing. We're at some place, some party or something. Yeah. And he goes, well, here's what we did. <laughs> It was like seven in the morning, six in the morning. Everybody had been drinking and they made a decision that Dave Mustaine had to go because apparently he was the worst of the, the group for partying. Mm. You know, he's, I guess, ridiculous to be around. Got it. Uh, can't speak for that. I did meet Dave in L.A. once. He, he would never remember meeting me. Mm. But he said, so what we did is, is we kicked his sleeping bag. He's on the floor. Mm. Hey, man, what's going on? And they shoved this ticket in his face. They said, you're out of the band. Oh, and man. Dave, Dave says, oh, what time's my flight? Nah, dude, that ain't no flight. You're on a bus. Oh, bus. <laughs> bought him a bus ticket from New York to L.A. Later, dude. <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, they'll all tell the same exact story. Mm. You know, I. It's weird because when you when you're watching TV and people, you know, they do these interviews and they mention that day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's exactly what Cliff said. So yeah. you know, there's no. Tell me what year it was that he was killed. Eighty six. Tell us a little bit about that. My wife and I were on our first anniversary, went to Monterey, mm. had uh, our friends taking care of our cat in our duplex in Hayward. And we come home and there's a letter, you know, a note from my friend Jim who was taking care of my cat. Yeah. And it says, hey, man, a good friend of yours died. And it stops. What the fuck are you talking about a good yeah. friend of mine? Can you at least? You left that dude with your cat, man. <laughs> yeah. So I call him. I said, Jim, what is this? Who died? Yeah. It was Cliff Burton. Didn't you see it in the news? No. And it's weird that I didn't hear it, you know, driving home that day. 
yeah. from Monterey. I don't know why I didn't hear it, but no, I didn't. And I was surprised. What do you mean? So um, there was no real internet back. There was no internet. Oh, back yeah, yeah. You could yeah. just go online. Hey, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started calling around. Yeah. Um, the tour bus wrecked mm-hmm. and he fell out of the bus. The bus landed on him. He changed bunks with Kurt Hammett, the guitar player. They were playing some card game. Mm. Well, what do you want? You won. I want your bunk. Because mm. like, this is a better bunk. And Cliff got that bunk and anybody in that bunk was going to die. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, I really. read I read that the the rock metal world stopped that day. Basically, the, the, there was shock throughout the entire industry. It's a heavy duty issue because he did three albums. You know, their three most. I mean, that was Metallica's yeah. con- contribution to the world was mm. were, were those three albums. And there would have been more had he, you know, uh, died that day. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, he and I had a great relationship. We wrote music together. Wonderful. Um, the song Fade to Black, he and I wrote that song. And they now it's, you know, it's a big old Metallica song. Killer. I can't say we wrote the song. What I can say is we... We created the the main riff. Yeah. And I argued and argued with Cliff over how to resolve the riff. If you're a musician, you would understand what I meant by that. Yeah. Um, and we could never agree on exactly how to resolve that riff. And then I just forgot about it. Next thing you know, it's on an album. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. <laughs> George, let me ask you a question, a couple of final questions here. What would your advice to the young garage bands, like the 16 and 17 year old use, like what would your advice be to just getting a band together, you know, and working together for those boys and girls out there that have those same like aspirations and those same innate talents that you had that took you, what, what would your advice be to them? Do it for enjoyment. Do, Do it because you love it. Mm-hmm. Don't, I shouldn't say don't expect to get a living out of it. I, I shouldn't really say that, but don't, don't expect to make a living on it. Mm. Unless you're the next Ingve Malmsteen or Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. I mean, look at these great, great, great guitar players and bands that, you know, it's not like the old days. Yeah. Everything's online. If you're selling it, it'll be stolen from you. Yeah. They'll stream it. That's right. You know, Back when the internet first started, people were stealing. There was, there was one guy in particular. He was selling bits and pieces of videos with me and Cliff on it oh, that we wow. did. Selling it like $5 a view. And Mike, uh, the guitar player that I played with, he was kind of, he kind of ran our band. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, wait a minute, man. This ain't cool. You can't take a guy's death and our music and exploit it without our permission. Yeah. And this guy was trying to do it. He probably made some money. I'm sure he he did. That's been happening. I think there's, that's been a huge problem in, in with like the YouTube and the internet type of stuff. It has been throughout the industry. I've heard like Madonna and people like them saying, this ain't right. You know, Uh, this is our stuff. You can't be getting it for whatever, you know, we make a whole album. So I've seen those kind of things too happen. So that is a mess. One final question for you, Mr. Lady. 
what is your political affiliation, sir? Mine is a Democrat. Yours is a conservative. Conservative so, Republican. I, mean, I guess that means I'm a Republican. Right I don't on. know how. I Here's don't know how to point. be a conservative and not be a Republican. I don't know. You're Republicans right. aren't conservative anymore anyway. <laughs> you're you're a Republican. I'm a Democrat. My point is this. Listen, all you politicians on the left and the right, I know you all listen. All you news commentators, all you staffers who listen to our show, the East West Grind podcast, this show, this is how you reach across across the aisle, just like Mr. Lady and I just did. We just fucking talked. That's where it starts. Stop arguing and start talking. It has been a great pleasure talking to you tonight, Mr. Uh, George Lady. That was great, you guys. It was it was a huge honor uh, talking to George Lady today again. Uh, I want to thank him for being here with us today and, you know, for schooling us not only on old school Bay Area native, you know, of some rock history, uh, but we have so many new families coming into the Bay Area and together with the George Lady, we were able to give some firsthand knowledge of how the Bay Area didn't get put on the map by becoming Silicon Valley. It was the rock legends of the 70s and 80s. And what an honor it has been talking to him. Um, And before we get out of here, a couple of more housekeeping items. Here's a clip, though, from the February 21st episode of the East West Grind podcast. Our podcast, February 21st. It's regarding... Matt Gates, Chuck Woolery, guys, see you in two and two. This congressman is on national news telling his own party to denounce the MAGA movement in Congress and in the Senate right now. We'll get into that first. And of course, we've got our asshole of the week. Speaking of assholes. To my man Ryan out there in Colorado, who is coming at me with 1,200 coal miner jobs that Joe is replacing with clean energy jobs, I'd like to remind you of this, Ryan, 800,000 new unemployment claims every week for the past six, seven months, maybe longer, because someone wanted to downplay the virus. Fuck off, clown. So... Grab your coffee black, my man, Captain C. Thanks for listening. And let's get after it. Okay, guys, let's put up Congressman Adam Kinzinger to Congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates is 38 years old, congressman in Florida, one of the states with the worst COVID outbreak. Why? Because Matt Gates and Ron DeSantis chose to let the virus run amok. That is pandemonium. But at Christmas time, Matt Gates shares uh, karaoke videos with staffers. You know, they're dancing and singing. Their staffers are rubbing his back. They got zero rhythm. But hey, Matt Gates, that stupid Christmas video is going to get you a sexual harassment case 
that the taxpayers are going to have to foot the bill for because you are a United States congressman. And we pay for your success, which are, I don't know, do you? But Congressman Gates, you're partying online and flying all over the country to talk shit about your own colleagues. That is a bitch move, Congressman. A bitch-ass move. Florida, this guy is a frat boy and he is pandering to the frat boy youth online as a party guy like, whoo, party at Congressman Gates' house. Why would anyone want a congressman that's wasting tax dollars and online like he's in, you know, the movie Animal House? But not only, Congressman Gates, are taxpayers paying for your successes, we pay for your failures too. That karaoke video, that Christmas karaoke video with the the young staffers rubbing all over you is a failure. And if I'm a Floridian, I call for your removal right now. Why? Because coming from 30 years in corporate food service and the culinary industry, that type of drunken behavior, I'm sure you guys were drunk. You look drunk. We've all been drunk a time or two. So, you know, we know what drunk people look like, how they act, what they do. They let loose and do dumb shit. That's cool. But you can't do that with people you work with. It can and has been considered sexual harassment. I fucking told you guys. I told you Matt Gates was going to catch a case. Now look at him. We got WAPO, New York Times, Fox, all of them. The headlines. Matt Gates accused of a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. You dumb motherfucker. 17 will get you 24. Seven Ask R. Kelly. Florida, vote this Matt Gates out of office. Please, he is a fucking scumbag. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure, as usual. Thanks again for spending your Wednesday mornings here with us at The Grind. Quick little side note. Derek Chauvin, the George Floyd murderer, accused that trial started yesterday this fucking guy's going back to jail too thanks again guys for listening and as always i got your back peace said woman move out my way said i got a wife at home she said please don't go out there lady i've got to get home she said her husband was coming up the stairs sure sure Quiet, hurry up and get in the closet. She said, Don't you make a sound, or some shit is going down. I said, Why don't I just go out the window? Yes, except for one thing, we on the fifth floor. Shit, think, shit, think, shit, quick, put me in the closet. And now I'm in this darkest closet trying to figure out just how I'm gonna get my crazy ass about this house. Then he walks in and yells, I'm home. She says, honey, I'm in the room. He walks in there with a smile on his face saying, honey, I've been missing you. She hops all over him and says, I've cooked and ran your bed for her. Telling you now this girl's so good that she deserves an Oscar. Throws